And we are now on with former MLB umpire Dale Scott. Dale, how's the West Coast doing? Well, the West Coast, beautiful weather here out here in Portland. Uh, and uh, we're, you know, we're doing okay. We've made some national news uh, here lately, but uh, it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with question number one. Uh, many would assume when they're playing ba- when they're really involved with baseball, you know, you want to become a sportscaster, you want to become a baseball player. What inspired you to be an umpire? And uh, from what I read, you started umpiring at an early age. Yeah, I started when I was 15 because uh, growing up in Eugene, Oregon, I, I was destined to be the first baseman for the Dodgers. I just knew that was going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, when I started actually playing, uh, I realized that uh, I didn't have the skills. I guess uh, being able to hit, pitch, you know, throw, all that stuff I couldn't do. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I thought, what's a way to stay in, in, involved in the game when you're 15 years old? And uh, a friend of mine had suggested that I should umpire. Uh, he had done it the summer before and said he made some extra money and he enjoyed it. So I thought that's a pretty good idea. I, I had uh, watched umpires quite a bit since I was on the bench all the times that I was actually playing. So I had much, uh, a lot of time to do that. So, yeah, so that's when I started uh, when I was 15 and I, and I, and I immediately just uh, fell in love with it. Something that I really enjoyed. Now you've been retired, I think, since after the 2017 season. What have you been doing nowadays that you've not been umpiring and you just sitting back and retired from MLB baseball? Yeah, I've, you know, I've I got to say I've I've enjoyed uh, retirement. I mean, I've enjoyed the fact that uh, you know I'm not gone half the year and, and and traveling two or three times a week and and, and the rat race that a, that a major league baseball schedule umpire schedule would would uh, would you know that you know that I did for 32 years so that was kind of nice but I have been helping out I helped out uh, last couple of years with different uh, umpire organizations throughout the country um, been flown in for to do clinics and camps and, and speeches and that kind of stuff to uh, you know just kind of give back uh, to the uh, the uh, you know the umpire profession which is something that uh, you know I got a lot out of it in my lifetime and, and it's been uh, uh, really good uh, to me, and so it's something that uh, it feels nice to be able to give back a little bit. Now, getting off more of the introduction subject, now to the umpire subject and more of the modern baseball subject, obviously umpires like Tom Hallion and Phil Cuzzy opted out this year. Would you have done the same with the COVID risk, and why? You know, it's an interesting question. I was asked that uh, uh, not too long ago. I, I think, uh, you know, when this first was happening, um, my thought process is I probably would have worked um, as we have gone more and more into it. Um, I, I'm not so sure. I think maybe I would have opted out. I, it, that's a tough call. I didn't have to make that call in real time. So, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm quite frankly, and not to, <laughs> usually we, uh, we're pretty definitive one way or the other, but I'm not sure what I would have done. I think, I think uh, the more I think about it, I think maybe I would not have done it. Okay. So obviously, uh, you're an umpire. I'm just a fan sitting here, and a lot of umpires do get criticism for maybe just either one call or multiple bad calls during the game, or it usually just well flip flops between a couple of umpires based on their reputations. Do you think the umpires get hated on or criticized more than they should have, knowing the position they're in? Well, you know that's a there's a lot a lot to that question. I mean, it, it, first of all, just the fact that you're a sports official in anything, you're going to get criticized. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, it's always been that way. It's, uh, it's much more intense now with, 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 uh, 
the technology we have these days, the super slow-mo, uh, high definition, you know, 80 inch uh, screens. Um, and so the, the, the scrutiny is, is, is very intense. I think there are times that umpires are unfairly criticized for plays that in reality, uh, pitches or plays that for reality are extremely close to the naked eye in real time at one time shot, one, one view of it. Um, you know, you sometimes hear announcers or fans uh, complain when they see a pitch on their little uh, uh, pitching track square on the monitor that misses the line by just a little bit. And they say, well, my goodness, uh, he called that a strike. That's way outside. What really way outside? It was, <laughs> it was very, very close on a, you know, 90 plus mile an hour pitch. So I, I, I think it's a little unfair sometimes to expect absolute total perfection from uh, from a from an umpire. You don't expect absolute total perfection from a player. Um, I understand we're held to a different standard. I mean, if we only got three out of 10 uh, plays right, we wouldn't have a job. But if you hit three out of 10 times, you're doing really well. So I understand the differences. But I think uh, sometimes with our technology these days, that guys are unfairly criticized for plays that are, or pitches that are extremely close, yet they make it out to like, oh my goodness, what's he looking at? How could he miss that? And it's it's really, it's really a lot closer than what they perceive on their on their monitor. Now that being said, yes, there are mistakes. There's obvious mistakes that are made. That's why the replay system was put in there is to correct obvious mistakes uh, and and get the call right. And I think it's a good system, and I, and I and I approve of this. I'm, I'm glad we have it. Uh, but I think it's also a little bit unfair to uh, to try to put absolute 100% perfection on something that, that will never be uh, perfected. Now, going before the next question, which actually deals a lot with what we we're just talking about, I've known I've been a baseball fan for a couple of years now, and I'm starting to really get an umpire view of things in different situations. Like, obviously, you'll have one umpire who sticks to maybe a tight strike zone, and then you'll have that umpire who sticks to like a little bit of a wider strike zone in the course of just, you know, having that base strike zone all game so that, you know, you don't get it from both sides. Oh, you're not, you're unfair to this call. You're unfair to that call, blah, blah, blah. But I think, isn't it also a part of possibly now that it's pace of play that widening the strike zone is part of pace play. In fact, that you want to get the game moving a little bit faster. If the pitcher's like walking, everybody you want to widen the strike zone. Is that kind of where the um, thing comes from? Well, no, uh, and, and, and the reason, would, would you want to, if a guy can't find the plate and, and you want guys to start swinging the bat and you want the game to get going, it, you know, internally, yes, you would hope that would happen, but you don't have that luxury as an umpire. And the reason is every pitch and every play uh, that, that an umpire has is evaluated. And if you start widening the zone, uh, if purposely widening the zone because, uh, because it's a blowout game or because the, the game is going slow or whatever, you're going to be downgraded on every single pitch that you call a ball or that you call a strike that should have been a ball or, or vice versa as far as that goes. So you don't have the luxury to just sit back and say, well, this game is going a little slow. Let's, let's perk it up. And I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, an inch and a half out off the plate now. I mean, you can do it, <laughs> but you're going to, you're going to pay for it. Um, you're going to be, you're going to be, first of all, scrutinized uh, by, by everybody that's watching the game, the announcer, everything else, but more, more importantly for the umpire internally, you're going to be marked down. Your evaluations will be, will be bad, and that's that's not the way you umpire. You know, we we uh, you hear you hear oh that's a makeup call or that oh he called that because he called this or whatever. It's just 
it's just not true. We don't think that way. We, we're not built that way. We, we are built to try to get every pitch and play right. Do we? Absolutely not. But we, uh, that's, that's our, that's our uh, goal every time we walk out there. So, um, you know, I, I've had situations where, uh, you know, game seven to one in the fifth inning, we need one more out and there's a huge storm coming in. The, the groundskeeper told me, Hey, you know, it, it, it's coming. And when it hits, it's, it's a three hour, four hour, uh, you know, it's going to wash us out, whatever. But I don't have the luxury to start widening the zone or, or, or doing whatever I got to do to make sure I get that five innings. In. That's just not, you know, that's just not something that I have the luxury of doing because if I do that, it's all going to be uh, on video. It's all going to be with our pitch track system that we're evaluated on. And, and, and you know, first of all, you lose credibility. Uh, you, you, you certainly are going to lose uh, any any shot at postseason or any any type of you know promotion within the umpire ranks it's just foreign to everything that we uh that we do so so that's not really the case i know in the last couple of years it's mainly been a rob manfred thing i think they're trying to or at least introduce robotic strike zones or at least robotic you know calls from behind the plate now thinking of it from a first standpoint would that increase a possible loss of jobs and why do you think elsewhere or at least why else they would try to implement it well again they're trying to get perfection uh they want they 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 don't uh, you know uh, the major league baseball uh, umpire average for the entire season when we have a normal season <laughs> um is above 97 percent uh closing on 98 percent of pitches correct now we're talking hundreds of thousands of pitches in the course of a season. Um, is it perfect? No, no, it's not. And, you know, the thing is, is if I, if I miss a pitch in the second inning with nobody on and, and one out uh, in a game in Kansas City in April, nobody says much. If I miss that same pitch in October or September with runners on base in a situation where it's a big situation, I get crucified. So, so a lot of times a missed call or a missed pitch is totally amplified or totally not even thought of, uh, depending on the situation. It's all situational stuff. The reason they, uh, you know, are talking about robot, robotic uh, uh, strike zones, or you know, uh, having a, a, a machine call the strike zone, is because first of all, you have the technology now to be pretty accurate with that. Uh, although there are some issues with that that I can explain later if you'd like. But but you have that technology, and quite frankly, it's kind of like what I had said before. There is this uh, push now with replay it with the technology that uh, people have at home. Um, like I said, the uh, super slow-mo and the, the high definition, all that stuff that they want perfection. They do not want a pitch missed period. And um, you know, I, I, I think that's the push for it. Now you're talking about what will it uh, take jobs. You still have to have a plate umpire. You still have, have to have somebody, first of all, if the machine glitches during the pitch, that plate umpire has to call that pitch. Uh, but uh, also you have catcher interference, batter interference, you have fair foul situations, you have, uh, 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 you know, plays in the plane, obviously, uh, you have, uh, uh, you know, pass by. I mean, it, it, there's all kinds of stuff that a plate umpire does in addition to calling pitches. So you need to have, you, you can't just eliminate an umpire on the field because you have this thing. Um, so, so there's not that situation. Um, but I think the main reason, and, I, and let's let's see how it works out. I mean, I, I'm not sure if uh, if they fully implement this, um, if it's something that 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 frankly pitchers and, and hitters want. I mean, uh, you know, we've seen where they've had it in the uh, 
believe it's the Atlantic lead. They used it and, and, and it's also been used in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, fall ball in, in Arizona, like in October, um, where, you know, some of these pitches that are called strikes by the machine, um, you know, they, they technically may be a strike because they hit the very, uh, you know, any, I mean, any pitch by rule that goes into any part of the strike zone, you got to remember the strike zone is three dimensional. It starts at the beginning front edge of the plate until the back point of the plate. And it's of course the, the hitter's height, uh, and, and the, and the width of the plate, but any pitch that hits any part of the strike zone by rule is to be called a strike. Well, you know, these pitchers are really good and, and they can have a, uh, a ball that's breaking that enters the strike zone at the front edge of the plate on the very outside corner at the knees, but it's, it's, it's moving toward the outside and it's moving down. So the catcher catches it about three inches above the ground, four inches above the ground, uh, two or three inches outside. Technically that's a strike by rule. It hit, it, 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 you know, hit part of that strike zone and that's a strike. Most umpires, don't call that a strike. Why? Because it's not accepted as a strike. People don't expect that type of pitch that's being caught outside and low like this because it nipped one little corner to be a strike. But the machine doesn't know that. The machine is programmed as that if it enters here, it's a strike, period. So there have been instances where they've used this machine where pitches are called that are, quite frankly, you watch and you go, that's not a strike, but the machine says it is. And technically it may be, but in, in reality and, and in the way the game is played, it's probably not accepted as a strike. So let's see how that plays out. I don't know if, uh, if, if guys will just get used to it, or I don't know if it's one of those things where if they continually trying to use this uh, technology, that it's just not quite doing what they want it to do. And going back to our uh, mini conversation, I mean, it's still partly going on right now about whether umpires should get scrutiny for certain calls. Also, wouldn't that revolve around game sensitivity? Let's say a team is losing by three in the bottom of the ninth and maybe like one call is made, even though it's one call, you know, would they, obviously fans, I guess, would still scrutinize over it because of the game sensitivity and the fact that their team is losing by three, maybe one call? Well, first of all, uh, talking about, uh, you know, scrutiny on, on, on plays, like I said earlier, an umpire is is evaluated on every single pitch that he calls, uh, ball or strike. What, every every pitch he calls, he is evaluated on. Every play a base umpire has, he's evaluated on. You're also evaluated on no calls. You may have a you may have a what should have been called a an obstruction and it wasn't called. Uh, so there was no call made, but there should have been a call made. So so you are evaluated on everything you do out there. So. Um, a, a fan, you got to remember, fans watch games from their heart, not their head. They they want that pitch to be outside when they're when they're hitting. They they want that rudder to be safe when they're hitting. You know, uh, they want that play the plate to be out when they're on the on defense. So anything close, anything, uh, you know, they're going to see that from their heart and not their head. An umpire doesn't doesn't. We don't care who's sliding, who's throwing, who's whatever. What we care about was the tag before he got there or not was the pitch on the, in the zone or not you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's our black and white kind of thing. So um, there's a, and, and let's be honest, there are, there are plays that you watch video replay from several different angles and one angle looks out and the other angle looks safe. I mean, it, 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 it just the way the angles are, or maybe, maybe a, a definitive angle is just about to be shown and a, and a, and a, and a, and a a ball player just happens to get right in between the play and the camera. So you don't actually see it uh, from that camera view. Um, so there are plays that, you know, replay doesn't say, oh, we have replay. So a hundred percent will know what happened. 
not necessarily. You know, those those catch no catches in the outfield. Sometimes you just can't tell. Um, even with replay, even with slow mo, even with uh, uh, you know four uh, D cameras or whatever. So so it's not replay doesn't just end all controversy. So the point I'm trying to make is a lot of times on those really close plays that can either go go either way or, or just or, or in a situation they really need that play a fan's going to see it a different than somebody that has no you know no dog in that hunt so to speak and, and just watching it and uh um and and quite frankly it, it, you'll you'll have plays that will happen that for the end of time no one will agree one one side says out one says safe and no one will agree on it so uh, it, replay helps. It, 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 it obviously takes care of mistakes, obvious mistakes. Um, and, it, and I think, like I said, I think it's a good thing, but um, it, it doesn't just eliminate all controversy. Now, one of the most critiqued umpires, if not the most critiqued umpire today, is Angel Hernandez. I think he actually took your number two years or a year after you, re- after you retired. Have you ever worked in a crew with him? If you have, what is he like? I know he's critiqued a lot for some of the calls that he does make on the field. Uh, well, you know, umpires, there are some umpires that uh, get labeled. Uh, it might be a certain playoff game or a certain big game or just a, 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 you know, a routine fan who watches a lot of games every year, and when they see that umpire, they, they tend to have a, a strike zone they don't like or whatever. And when, you, when an umpire gets labeled, Especially when they get labeled by the media, um, they it, it, it is it, it, rather that label's good or bad. I mean, it could be a good label. Oh, this is the best ball and strike umpire in the world. Um, that's a great label. Uh, and so, if you have that label, you have a tendency as as a fan, as a media person, to give them the benefit of the doubt on a close pitch. Well, you know, he's he's one of the best ball strike guys. I you know, uh, if he says that's a strike, yeah, I don't know, but I think he must be right. Okay. Same goes the other way. If you're labeled, oh, this guy, you know, he has these questions. I don't know. I, I, you know, I've seen him work. I don't think I like his his uh, ball strike work or whatever. And now a close pitch, they're going to say, well, he missed another one. They just immediately uh, are going to assume that that was a miss because that's the that's his label. So, um, you know, not getting into specifics of anybody on the staff. Everyone's evaluated. Obviously, Major League Baseball, when there's some umpires that have been labeled or have been uh, scrutinized. You know, a lot of times unfairly, sometimes fairly, but by media and fans. Trust me, Major League Baseball isn't going to put a you know, umpire X into a, a postseason game because uh, uh, well, we're just going to do this because they don't like him, so we're going to put him in there. They put him in there because throughout all the scrutiny of the entire season, both on the plate and the bases, that umpire has shown uh, high marks in in, in uh in his uh, pit, uh, plate work, high marks in his base work. That's why they're there. They don't just pick guys out just to just to uh, to uh, make people make fans get uh, honorary. <laughs> they put them in there for a reason, and the reason is because throughout the entire uh, job. Remember, you know, unlike this year, which is a weird year, but in a normal year, baseball is a marathon. So, you know, I have a bad game here and a bad game there. It's going to happen in a span of working 140 games or whatever. But when you look at the entire uh, you know, season of work and and all the uh, evaluations that are done, that's what they base their decisions on. Obviously, knowing you were an MLB umpire for 32 years, brawls are a nasty thing, and they could be nasty to break up or even be a part of. 
I know one of the brawls that, well, it wasn't, it was a bench clearing, I should say, because it didn't really get as nasty as maybe the one with Ramon Lorano the other day or the Joe Kelly one the other day. The One of them I remember was the Yankees-Indians game where Granderson, I think, hit a home run and then Fausto Carmona hit Mark Teixeira and basically the benches cleared and Manny Acton and Joe Girardi were going at I think you actually were the home plate umpire or one of the base umpires that game, 2011, I think. Uh, I might have been. To be honest with you, I don't specifically remember that situation. I can tell you a situation I do remember is I uh, was uh, – it was my crew in Texas when uh, Batista uh, uh, slid it hard into second and Odour for the Rangers uh, cold cocked him, and we had quite a brawl uh, that day in Texas. Of course, that all stemmed from the playoff game the year before, which I was the plate umpire for that game five. So I was, I was well in tune with what, what was happening between those two clubs. Um, brawls are not, you know, brawls are not a fun thing. Um, if, if, uh, if the teams spill onto the field, you'll notice for the most part, the four umpires will just step back and, and let it go. Because quite frankly, if there's, you know, 50 ball players and four umpires, guess what? We can do math. And that's, uh, that's, uh, uh something that we don't want to be in the middle of. So we just sat back and we, we take names and numbers and, and watch what's going on. And then once we can kind of get a break in that and, and, and break it all up, then we can uh, go ahead and make uh, our decisions on who's ejected and, and, and whatever's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think that if, 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 if baseball wanted, if they wanted to, I think they could, they could really um, keep brawls down to a, a minimum from the standpoint that if any, if any player leaves his position, the dugout or the bullpen to join in, they're automatically ejected, suspended, whatever, kind of like the NBA has done, kind of like uh, hockey has done. And now people say, well, yeah, it's the batter, but you have the catcher and the pitcher. So they're already outnumbered. Well, um, yeah. Okay. But I think you can uh, figure out ways to deal with that. All I'm saying is uh, there is no penalty for the, and they will do it every time for both teams to rush on the field, both bullpens to come in. And that's certainly not happy or helping to uh, calm down the brawl. So I think there's ways that maybe if, if baseball wanted to uh, be a little bit more uh, strict on that kind of stuff, they could do that. Um, and of course, the most dangerous thing about, about brawls, yeah, first of all, somebody can get injured to where they, you know, they lose playing time or, or, or loss for the season or whatever. Uh, the other thing that's extremely dangerous is when you're throwing at hitters. Um, uh, you know, if a pitcher wants to hit a, a batter for whatever reason, uh, there's a proper way to do that. You, you, you know, you throw at his lower trunk or you throw, you know, you don't throw at the, anywhere the shoulders are above. That's just an absolute zero no-no and, and is condemned by or should be condemned by everybody because that is extremely dangerous um, and it, there's, no, there's no place for that in baseball. Obviously, um, continuing off this conversation, MLB has done or at least tried its best to kind of limit these balls for two reasons. Number one, because of the COVID risk. Number two, because of the whole Astros scandal and whether teams felt that the MLB punished them or not. And so they're, they're going to they're take out their anger on them and say, hey, uh, you stole a championship from me. I'm going to hit you now. So in that case, obviously, it's, you know, it's a messy situation, but MLB has to do its best, and I saw they gave Alex Cintron 20-game suspension in a short season, 60 games, even though he's been a part of these games already. They just, in my opinion, will need to do a better job now and also in the future, because if you just do it for this season, there's really no point. So you might want you want to put it towards the future where safety is always you know, a thing, whether there's COVID or just an injury risk. 
Well, you, you bring up a good point. Uh, I, you know, I said that uh, as far as leaving the bench and all that stuff is one way you can maybe uh, help curb that. Uh, fines and penalties and suspensions uh, is another way. The, the problem that baseball had, now, first of all, I applaud uh, what they did with uh, Cintron. They, know, they knew going in, even if we had a normal season, they knew going in that this was going to be a tough year with the Astros, and they knew that they were going to have to jump on that uh, early and often uh, because you can't, regardless of what the Astros did, you can't just let them be beat up by every American League team every time they walk by the field. That's just, you just can't let that happen. Um, uh, and, and you can have a whole other show about if you thought it was fair what they did, uh, penalty-wise, the Astros and all that. But the point is, you still have a baseball game, and you can't allow it to happen. The 20-game suspension, I think, was an absolute shot across the bow that <clears throat> that, that this is not, you know, acceptable, and we're not going to we're not going to put up with the, with the COVID stuff and the fighting, and also just in general. You got to remember, he's a coach, though he is not protected by the players' association. The fines and suspensions for players, uh, they have a very very strong union, and so uh, baseball, I know from experience working in baseball, that there were times in in brawls and, and throwing at hitters and that kind of stuff that uh, the commissioner's office wanted to uh, uh, impose much stricter fines, much stricter uh, you know, suspensions. And by their collective bargaining agreement with, with the players, they'll say they just couldn't do it. And they just, by contract, they could not do it. So, um, so you had a little bit different situation with coaches and managers than you do with players. Uh, and they're a little bit handcuffed in that. Uh, but that is a way, uh, that is a, another way to try to help curb any illegal acts that a, uh, a player may do maybe it's a pitcher that's a uh, that's doctor in a baseball or, or a hitter that's doctor in a bat or whatever. There are, uh, you know, if you if you sit down enough people where they lose they're losing uh, you know x amount of, of their of their salary suspended without pay type of stuff, um, you'll you'll get the uh, you know you'll get <laughs> that. Why do you have fines and suspensions? Is to deter that type of behavior in the future, and that's why you do it. You know, and, and like I said, the only reason. I think there aren't more uh, stricter fines and suspensions with players is because they can't do it because of the Players Association. Now, are umpires ever consulted? Obviously, uh, broadcasts and cameras and replay always, you know, sort of tell the story when it comes to a brawl. Does MLB ever ask umpires on, like, what they saw that maybe the camera didn't? Well, anytime you have a situation, uh, we write up an umpire report. And we are we are detailed on who said what, you know, the, the, the situation that led up to it, anything that anything that was said after the situation, who 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 charged who or, or whatever. Uh, that is that is their, uh, uh, for lack of a you know a, a better term, that's their uh, police report, so to speak, that the league will get from us. And we, after a game, if we had a brawl or something, on the field uh, after we clear it out. Uh, I'll, I'll meet with my other three guys. So, you know, I've got, uh, I've got this, you know, Smith and Jones over here. He's going and, and Johnson and, you know, Scott over here is going, uh, what do you guys see anybody else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So-and-so threw a, a cheap shot over. Okay. He's gone or whatever. And we'll, and we'll decide what we do on the field after the game. We'll go in the locker. We're going to write this report up to, uh, to, uh, you know, email it into the, to the league, but we, we watch the video because we obviously we haven't had a chance to watch the video yet. So we'll watch the video of the incident because you, you might pick up something we never saw on the field. Well, look at so and so here. He he you know he cheap shot at so and so or whatever. Okay, then we'll put that in the report as per video. Blah 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 blah. Um, then the league takes all that information. They take the video. 
Uh, they'll take the feeds from, from the visiting team, from the home team. If there's a national feed, they'll take that because they want to see all the angles of this incident. Then they will, uh, from our report, from their own watching the video, because they may pick something up that we didn't, that's when they come up uh, with, you know, whatever. A lot of times we will get a call, um, uh, you know, a day or two afterwards and say, hey, Dale, uh, I, I got your report. Uh, I saw the video. Uh, I got a couple questions. Uh, did so-and-so say anything when they, you know, when you said this or whatever? Or did so-and-so do this? Or I go, no, no, you know, whatever it is, answer the question. And they'll say, okay, thank you. We have no say in, into the fines or suspensions. That is not our, our job. We just report what we saw what happened in, in, in our estimation uh, being on the field and then they take it and run with it uh, from there. Now in 1999, I think it was the, the um, the umpires association or what, whatever, you know, you had American league umpires, you had national league umpires before 1999. I think I'm pretty sure they merged obviously. Did that have anything to do with the mass strike or the mass resignation 1999 with the player, uh, um, excuse me, Umpires Association. What was that about? The, the the merger of the two leagues was something that they were uh, planning to do in the 2000 season. It was also a contract year. In other words, 1999 was the last year of our contract. So they that's why they that's why they wanted to do it then. They wanted to combine, put everything under the commissioner's office, and combine staffs. The the uh, the uh, ill-fated. Um, our union uh, made some real mistakes in dealing with that, uh, trying to be preemptive. Uh, there, there were several in our union um, that did not want to combine the leagues. They, 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 they wanted to stay nationally or stay American League. Um, and so as a preemptive strike, they, uh, we were given some bad advice that we could, uh, we could all resign and then they would have to, you know, right before, uh, you know, the, the September, you know, like a September 1st, so the, push for the playoffs and the playoffs going up and they in mass if they lose all their umpires then they're going to have to you know blah 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 well uh the problem with resigning is if you are uh, under if you don't resign if you still have a job and you take some kind of a work action you do have legalities under the national labor relations board as as a collective bargaining unit once you resign you have zero you, you don't work for them anymore. You just revise. You have zero say in anything, and the NLRB has no, they, they can't help you because you're not part of the unit. You're, you're gone. So that was poor advice uh, that we got. It in, ended up into uh, uh, just a real, real mess. Um, but um, the, the, the combining of the two leagues was something that, that, that uh, the commissioner's office wanted to do. Um, it indirectly, semi directly led to our. Uh, resignation strategy, but uh, uh, they didn't combine the leagues because we resigned. We we, we resigned or, or tried to stop it because there were several in our union that didn't want that to happen. Was there any specific reason the commissioner's office wanted just to unite the AL and NL, like combine it, just make it like, I don't know, I guess one major league baseball league or was there well, a reason behind that? Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the NFL. You have the AFC and the NFC, and the, 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 you have NFL officials. Um, um, they they for, first of all they you know uh, they wanted to make base. You got to remember there was a lot more interleague. You know there was no interleague play until like '95 or somewhere in there where you would play a, a couple series a year. You know against a team from the other league. The only interleague play you ever saw every year besides spring training was the world series or, or 
the All-Star game, I guess. But uh, uh, so there was interleague play happening now. And so they wanted – one of the reasons, they wanted to be more consistent between the two leagues. They wanted – the National League and the American League had different uh, – you know, the only rule change – the only different rule was the designated hitter. That was the only different rule that the leagues had. They, the National League had several different um, – uh, uh, things you know on, on what, for example, uh, what a trip to the mound is, or what a what a, uh, what a, you know just uh, you know little things, but they 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 interpreted the rules a little bit differently in both leagues. Plus, more importantly, if 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 a National League team is going to an American League city to play one of their new league games and they have American League umpires, they were you know the league was commissioner's office was saying we want them not to think, oh, these are American League umpires. I actually completely think of a different strike zone or vice versa. They want the strike zone to be uniform for all of baseball, nationally and American. And, and uh, you know, that made sense. Now, umpire-wise, it made sense. We had a lot less travel if we, if we worked both leagues. You know, I could, I could go to the state of California as an American League umpire. I'd have Anaheim and Oakland. That's it. You know, if, as a major league umpire, I've got five cities in California. So I, maybe instead of being in California for for a week or on the West Coast with a, with a trip up to Seattle for a week as an American League umpire, we can have. Now I can go on the West Coast and be on the West Coast for three weeks. Uh, you know, working different teams, but we're going to you know throw in Denver and Arizona with that too, and, and you got a whole kind of West. Of the, you know, so so the travel is a lot better for umpires that way. And quite frankly. A lot of guys, you know, didn't want to do that. I, I thought it made complete sense. Complete sense. Um, and, and now, with even more interleague play, uh, and, you know, it, it makes a lot more sense that teams have a relatively good idea what the, the strike zone is going to be, what the uh, mechanics of, of the umpires are going to be, no matter if they're an American League city or a National League city. It's all major league baseball umpires. It took a while to to blend them all in and, and make that all happen. The early 2000s, mid 2000s, uh, there was some, you know, ups and downs with that because of just, you know, such a, a big change of, of the staff like that. But now it's, it, it's quite frankly, it's not even thought of. It hasn't been for 15 years. What was your payoff? Uh, excuse me. What was your favorite playoff series to work that you or that you remember working, and maybe your favorite MLB All Star game? Well, I, I worked three All-Star games. Uh, the final one I worked was in Phoenix, and I was the crew chief, and I was the plate umpire. So that obviously was a was a, a big deal. Um, but you know, I can never forget my first one in Baltimore in '93, and just the excitement of the, the All-Star game and having my family come out. Um, and all you know, the All-Star game is a lot of fun. Of course, back then and, and now again now, but you know, before they made the winner of the All-Star game the home team in the World Series, when it was just an exhibition game of the two leagues. It was baseball's um, uh, uh, baseball's fun time. In other words, uh, there's a big, uh, a big uh, Monday night games on Tuesday. On Monday, they had a big all-star party uh, that Major League Baseball put on with all the corporate sponsors and everything. And it was really, I mean, if, if you're going to put on a party, uh, that was a party. It was uh, it was uh, first class. It was just, it's a lot of fun to have your family and, and, and maybe some friends that could be able to join you and be a part of that. So all-star games are, are, are a lot of fun. Uh, because they're, they're not as intense and they're not as, you know, people on the edge of their seat win or lose type thing like you have in the postseason. As far as favorite playoffs, I mean, obviously you can never you never forget your first playoff. My, my first uh, playoff was uh, Seattle with the Yankees in 95. Uh, game one, I was on the first base game two, my very first plate game. 
ever in postseason. Uh, the game goes 15 innings, five hours and 13 minutes. Um, <laughs> I could have done without that, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'll never forget that. Of course, you never forget your first World Series. Uh, again, the Yankees and the Padres in 98. Yankees swept them. It was uh, uh, pretty much a one-sided affair. But, hey, it was the World Series. I had game three on the plate, which is the first game in, in San Diego. In fact, it's the only game in, in the history of baseball where – uh, an umpire in the World Series wore a red shirt. Uh, the American League had red shirts for that five-year span from about uh, 95 to, to 95 season through the 99 season, and this was in 98. So, uh, so that was so that obviously that was a big thrill. I mean, you, you you umpire and you go professionally and you get a job and go in the minor leagues, you finally get to the big leagues, and all that stuff. The pinnacle is to work a World Series, and I was fortunate enough to work three of them. But that first one was was really special. And then the second one, let's be honest, it was 2001, right after 9-11, seven-game series, unbelievable series, unbelievable time in your country, so that, that certainly is a highlight. Dale, I appreciate you for joining us, and it was a much-loved conversation. Well, thanks for having me, Alex, anytime. <laughs>